Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast, where we made a new friend. I'm Yay! Boyd, and I'm here with my co-host, Beige. I like friends. I like people. Me too. So today we are talking about, we have a couple like, uh, not quite mini topics, but we have like two smaller-ish topics. So we're going to talk about Mass Effect Andromeda, because I was playing it a bunch, and then we're going to talk about games as a service, which we've been talking about back and forth off and on. And I don't know if we have like giant topic on either one but both of them should fit into one episode i think yeah and it'll be fun to talk about regardless so yes exactly but before we do that we should announce that we have a new podcast on the geek to geek podcast network it is the geek to there we go i didn't expect that it, it is <laughs> the geek to podcast and it is joining us with the comic box, which you guys, if you haven't listened to yet, you should listen to the comic box. We have Geek Fitness Health Hacks, which is Beige's other podcast. Some point in the future, I want to bring back video game news now. I just don't know when I'm going to do it. But we are super excited to announce that Geektitude is going to be on our network. And if you guys don't know, this is an interview show, which is something that we were kind of talking about trying to do or find someone to do. And then we realized yep. that all of us on the network listen to the same one. And yeah. we all interact with the guy in charge of it on Twitter. So we just reached out to him because we've all been on that podcast. And it is Joe Hogan, who goes by Epic Grays on Twitter and a bunch of social media platforms. And he's just he's an awesome guy. Yeah, he is absolutely fantastic. And we've all been on a show, like Void said, and you should go listen to those episodes that if you kind of want to dip your toes in the water to, to have something familiar because our voices are just so lovely and soothing to you, then go find those episodes. And he's just fun to talk to. That having conversations with Joe is super easy. He makes it very easy to, to open up and... That kind of interview skill is very hard to find, so we were really excited that he accepted the invitation. Yeah, and he totally fits in with, you know, I mean, it's in the name, right? geek to geek podcast and the geek to geek podcast Network. Like, we want to connect people who like to geek out about things, and they're passionate, and they're positive, and all of his shows, all of his interviews are like that, and he's totally like that. So it's just, it's such a good fit. Um, I think Rob was on his episode last week, and then I'm going to be on the episode in a week or two, so... That'll be cool. And BG, we're on a couple weeks ago, Yeah, I was ago, on right? just a few weeks ago, actually, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we're super excited to announce that. We'll announce it on all of the places that we do. But you guys should go check it out. And there's a backlog now if you want it. You know, unlike the other podcasts that we started from scratch, you can go jump into his podcast and play catch up and get a bunch of good interviews on day one, which is super cool. Yeah, which is awesome. Because I yes. know that was one issue when I find new podcasts that are actually new podcasts. I'm like, oh, but I, but I only have three episodes to listen to. Yeah, so. you guys have like 70 or something like that. Okay, so our two topics for the week. Uh, let's jump into games as a service. I It's kind of an extension of a big industry trend in software, which is known as software as a service. And it's where you pay in some kind of pricing model in an ongoing way. You know, you don't buy it once and then forget it like you used to be able to do. And it's in all kinds of things now. One of the obvious examples is like the Adobe suite. You used to be able to buy Adobe, you know, CS, whatever, CS2, CS4, CS5. And then they switched over to two Adobe Creative Cloud, where now it's a subscription service. You know, you pay monthly or you pay yearly, but you always have the latest version. They're always working on new features and giving them to you as soon as they're tested and good to go. And that has now extended into video games. And I was kind of thinking that it probably came out of like mmos don't you think it really might have with the way that dlc has progressed i mean we see those now as pretty much what expansions used to be that you would have to go to the store and pick up like warcraft 2 uh beyond the dark portal where now it's just a dlc that's going to be patched in over the few months and the same thing with uh mmos getting new updates all the time where you get patched 6.1 and 6.2 all with just bunches of new content for your subscription price yeah and i don't think it's a bad thing or a good thing necessarily Mm -hmm. there's so many examples of it out there and some are bad some are good so i kind of just wanted to dive into a few different like business models and just talk about them because i find them fascinating and again 
I don't think it's bad or good. It's just the way that we're going as a video game industry. And it's fascinating to me. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And sometimes I know you and I have had conversations about there are certain business models like this. There are some services that you and I just don't go in for, that we like the games just fine. We see why they're doing what they're doing, but the business model turns us off. So the fact that there are so many different kinds means that they are pretty uh what's the word i'm looking pretty profitable but at the same time they have to know exactly who their who their audience is like there are a lot of different people who want different services yeah yeah totally so let's talk about and i think this is kind of the big one i always think about it as the one game to rule them all category (laughs) of this kind of game and so i'm thinking about things like league of legends heroes of the storm overwatch like world of warcraft or really any MMO for that matter. Have you played many of these outside of MMOs? Uh, played a little bit of League, not my thing. You got me to play Heroes of the Storm last year. Uh, I've put more hours into Overwatch than I can pretty much, you know, than I'm really proud of putting in. But yeah, quite a few of them where they're the main ones in that category. Have any of them hooked you to the point where it was like, your main or only game for a really extended period of time world of warcraft like hardcore almost like a decade i think i had a subscription ongoing for eight years before i even canceled it maybe i mean yeah world of warcraft is the one that took all of my time back in the day ultima online did too like that was the only game that i played back when i was being a jerk and killing people and stealing their ore yeah i i don't know if i've had any that have lasted for like a super long time i would say at the most maybe like six month run and even there i would take breaks to play other games but like world of warcraft would probably fit in there and then league of legends i actually played really seriously for when when it was like just coming out i don't even know if it was technically out or if it was in beta but i played it for a while and I'm not at all up to date with anything. I don't follow it as an eSport, none of that kind of stuff. And I haven't played it in at least like a couple years now. But right as it was like emerging on the scene, um, I had a lot of friends playing it. So I ended up playing it a lot. Yeah, that'll that'll do it. That's what happened with World of Warcraft for me. I had a bunch of friends who were there. And I mean, and it was a fantastic game. Don't get me wrong. I played since one of the betas and it was absolutely awesome but i mean it was something that all of my friends were playing and it is the only one that i've really regretted spending a lot of time with because on it it has its it we can go into a completely different show in terms of how it affects personality and and your life but it also made me stop playing console games that i ended up missing a lot of the major games that came out and a lot of the consoles and 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 titles that i wanted to play and that i'm still playing catch up on because i played one game to the exclusion of all others and i think when i added it up i'd spent twelve hundred dollars on world of warcraft uh, $1,200 on World of Warcraft subscriptions over the years. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of money if you add yeah. it all up. Yeah, and then, I mean, I guess that ties nicely into, like, the next business model I had on here, which is mobile, right? Because right. it's, like, their whole thing, typically, is that they want you to just keep putting money in. And even if it's mm-hmm. a little amount every week or every couple weeks or every month, like, they want you to keep paying, and that adds up over time. So... These are ones that I typically don't go in for. Um, Every once in a while, one of these will hook me for a little while and I'll play it for like a week or two until I hit kind of the like soft cap on what you can actually do without paying and then I'll be done with it. Um, The most recent one for me was Fire Emblem Heroes and I'm still playing it every day, but I'm... Even after you've beat it that you mentioned, you're still playing it every day? Yeah, and I'm slowing down on it now. Um, I have a couple things that I want to do, even though I've beaten like everything they've put in front of me, Um, just with like characters that I'm having fun, like training them and growing them and stuff like that. But in the end, I'm basically done with it. And if they don't push out new content soon, then I'm probably going to stop playing every day. But I know like talking to you and talking to like Rob, like we were talking about podcast network earlier. um, I know 
you guys play like the Marvel ones, right? Like Future Fight or there's like a Puzzle yeah. Quest one. Future Fight is the one that I play. Okay. I really like it. I log in every day and it's been, I want to say three months now, maybe two months. I don't remember, but it's not that I fully play every day. I don't do all, there are like four hours worth of daily stuff that you can do in the game, but it's made me log in every day. There are daily login rewards that are legitimately good if you make it through the month so it's enough to turn it on see what's going on grab my stuff and do a little bit of something if i feel like it it's i've sunk a little bit of money into it because i like it so much and there are they actually have a subscription on it that two of them that you can get uh what they call character biometrics for ten dollars you get 20 of them a day and some of those are exclusive to that bundle so that's the kind of buy to win you have to do this to get these characters and there's also one that you can pay like I think it's four dollars a month and you get a daily stipend of in-game currency of crystals that you usually buy in bulk but for four dollars you can wait over the course of a month and basically get I can't remember like maybe twenty dollars worth of them if you'll do it if you wait the entire month so I've done that a couple of times yeah, that's interesting how many like different mobile business models there are. But I mean, the commonality is kind of like they want you to constantly log in. They want you to keep mm-hmm. coming back and they try to do it with this like churn of content if they're doing it right. You know, like constant events, constant yes. like, content releases and like a fire emblem. If it if it kept releasing more content that I was interested in, I would keep playing like totally if they can yeah. up the speed of their releases. I might stay hooked on that game for a while, even though I haven't put like, like, I think I said I put $12 into it one day and that was it. Yeah. And I don't really plan on putting more into it, but Hey, if they want me to keep playing, I would, if they keep putting good content in front of me. So that's kind of like mobile in general is just constant content in front of you and i still like mario run that jennifer and i've been playing it together some because she's still into it and it's one of those games that i really enjoy playing i wish there was there were more individual levels in it that i don't feel bad about having paid once for it but i can understand why people get frustrated at that but i still absolutely love the uh the game and having just knowing i bought it and i can play it whenever i want to Like, that is a fantastic thing for me. Totally, totally. And then, like, even AAA publishers can't escape from this, like, games-as-a-service model because Hmm. you look at what happened to Call of Duty over the last few years, and I know I'm not, like, a huge Call of Duty guy, but I pay attention to the industry because I'm interested in video games, if you haven't noticed by now. And it's like there are some Call of Duty games that were basically just sent out to, not to die, like, they were sent out to make money, but they were sent out and then not really supported. And those basically died off super fast. And then there are other ones mm. that they put out and they support with like new content and some of them with esports and some of them with expansions and like DLCs and season passes and these things that people love to hate. But it just goes to show that you can't make a AAA game without thinking about this kind of thing. And I mean, think about like Hitman, right? That yeah. release schedule of episodic. But even after they all came out, like there's still content coming out for that game. And I know we talked about it a lot, so I'm not going to dwell on Hitman. But just the fact that like every couple weeks there's a new elusive target or there's like new missions or new whatever added to that game because they're supporting it right as a service and not just as a standalone game that they release and walk away from. That kind of thing's actually a little bit overwhelming for me with the constant updates, with the consistent release of content. And I know it sounds weird, but when there is a slew of new content all the time, it's very easy to fall behind. And I'm one of the kinds of gamers who that once I get behind in something, it's very hard to make me push forward and get caught back up because time is a limiting factor. So some of them are fantastic, like Hitman. I haven't seen anything that makes it look like it's coming too fast. But honestly, in Future Fight, one of the reasons that I've slowed down is because there is so much new stuff they're putting out, so many new heroes, so many new modes that I just can't keep up with it all. So I'm like, I'll have fun with some of this every once in a while, but I'm not pushing to do much of any of the end game stuff anymore. Yeah, there's definitely a weird place you have to like find like there's a middle ground you have to find as a developer that is 
enough new content to keep people engaged, but not so much content that they go, oh, I'm never going to be able to do that. And they just stop playing your game because it can right. go either way. I've, I've experienced both of those things. And I'm like I said, I'm one of the ones who gets overwhelmed super easily. So I, I need that middle ground. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I mean, look at games like Destiny 2 um, for <laughs> constant like content. You know, they basically have been releasing uh, expansion packs. Like that's what they call the them. I yeah, think. some of them are and some of them aren't. It's really weird because some of them are like huge content pushes and some of them are just like almost in- incremental upgrades. It was yeah. strange and it didn't seem huh. fully thought out. But at the very least, you can look at it and say, they launched a game and then they supported it the whole time that it's That's been true. Out. Yeah. And were those paid purchases? Remember, were those paid updates or were they free updates like you get from a subscription service or like you get from Overwatch? It's interesting because it was both with Destiny. Huh. Some of them were paid and then some of them were like, like they totally revamped the game start to finish at one point and that was free yeah i did yeah that was free i thought oh wow okay yeah like you can go download it right now so i might have to because i played the demo of it and wasn't a big fan and never never went back yeah yeah it's interesting like how much people are willing to sink into games that are already out and support them to try to get a community and you know keep it relevant and all of that kind of stuff even things like and this is what was really surprising to me this really brought it to like the forefront of my mind was i mean we had mario kart and that felt like a big deal because nintendo really didn't do dlc or like supporting their games beyond release and that was what two years ago a year and a half ago something like that and then Uh, yeah this year we had final fantasy 15 and zelda they both come out in the last what four months here five months here yeah it came out in november and this is march so yeah four or five months yeah and both of those are single player games that have a definitive beginning and end and they are getting dlc which is just like it's crazy like we've reached a new level of games as a service because i mean think about like final fantasy 10 or 9 or like you know Mm -hmm. those games they have a beginning middle and end and then it's over and final fantasy 15 had a beginning middle and end and now here's some extra stuff yeah but but final fantasy's done that kind of thing and released them as full games for years we have final fantasy 10 2 13 13 2 lightning returns where i think that if they had released those as dlcs that they would have been fine i think people would have accepted 13 2 and lightning returns as dlc far better than they would receive them as paying full price for a for a new triple a title that wasn't a fully fleshed out product yeah and so maybe they're just trying to rectify that with 15 by being like okay we hear you on lightning returns we're just gonna call it dlc from now on and now don't get mad at us love us again yeah probably that's probably a big part of it and like zelda i mean i don't even understand completely what's in the Mm. zelda dlc or season pass or whatever they're calling this particular one expansion pass is what it was maybe yeah and i don't think they announced all of it yet i think it was partially like here's a hard mode and then here's like an extra dungeon or like bonus dungeon or challenge area or something challenge mode or something like that that you can do and then there might be a whole second wave coming that they didn't announce anything for yet well, they've talked about that I was looking up recently because of playing it so much. I looked up and there is, uh, I don't know if it was a rumor, but I think it was a full announcement that said there was more story content coming at the end of the year. That that was the most that they've said. It hasn't talked about what it is or anything at all, but they did say that it was a new was new story content. So I don't know. I, I have no idea what it could be. I don't know how I feel about buying more story for a game that is like it should be a full story. And this, I mean, a little bit towards Zelda, like you're saying, but I feel this more towards Final Fantasy 15. Like there were big holes in that plot where they didn't didn't explain things the way they should have or there should have been more cutscenes. And like if they're trying to fill that in by making you pay money, I have some issues with that. But if they're going back and they're supporting the game and patching it for free, like they've been doing so far up till now, that's really cool. Like if they see where there are weaknesses and they're going to go back and address them like chapter 13 in that game, that's great. <laughs> you, know? and you said they were right. You said they were actually going to chapter 13. 
Yeah, they are. And I think that actually just came out or it's about to come out in the next week. Okay. It's very, very imminent. That is awesome. But yeah, those are the kind of updates that I'm fine with if you're going to revisit and and make it where the game is better. I'm really hesitant on Zelda because it's such a sweeping game as it is that adding more to it like that, I don't... I don't necessarily want to pay for extra content like that. I don't like buying DLC. I am not a DLC consumer. That it is honestly rare for me to purchase a DLC. I mean, I bought the Mario Kart 8 one today uh, before this recording, and I'll talk about that in my geekery, but I didn't expect to. And then I... I wait until they're on Steam sale to get DLCs most of the time. I still haven't played through the Skyrim DLCs, and I got the Legendary Edition of it for like $5 and never went back and finished out any of the other ones that I have with my save. It's just, I don't, once I play a game, I'm still in that like 90s mindset of, this is the game that I bought and I'm going to play this game. Whatever comes after that ain't real. And it's, it's, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I mean, I know that's just me. I know most people are are happy to get more content, but I don't like paying for it because I feel like I've already paid for the game. See, I don't mind paying for it if it's in the right format. Like if Zelda is going to just add more area to explore and like a challenge mode, I don't know if I'm that interested, but like for how much we talked about is it called Eventide Island? I always forget the name of the one. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Okay, so what if instead of what they have announced right now, what if they said, pay us $10 and we will give you a new challenge island along the lines of Eventide Island every week for 10 weeks? Like, I would be mm. all over that. I'd you be know? all over it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So I think part of it is just like how they frame it and what they actually structure the DLC as. If it's a new chunk of story, it's like, I, I bought your game already. Like, you should have told me the full story. Right. And that would be awesome if it were something like Eventide Island, because those kinds of challenges are fun. They're, they they add something to the game that wasn't already there. But it's, it's challenge mode dungeons have never done it for me because it's revisiting the same content and hard mode stuff is I do feel the need for new content when I'm paying for a service. When I'm paying for it, free is another thing. I'm not looking anything in the any gift horses in the mouth that I get. But if I'm paying for it, I do want it to not just be rehashed content, reskinned content, stuff like that. Yeah, and you said like along these lines of software as a service, you mentioned that maybe even like toys to life and like shareware stuff. What did you like when we were talking? What did you mean by that? I didn't really. I don't know if like, I buy that. The way that I always see it is that that you're constantly paying for something and grabbing more to add to it. It's like they're providing you with this base game for something, and then you're going to be able to purchase any of the extra content that you want for it, with like Amiibo and Disney Infinity and Skylanders. Specifically Skylanders, because part of them are required to beat certain areas. And so I think about that as being a service. Like, you know, you're getting these toys that the kids play with, as well as the extra functionality in the game that you have. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I can see it a little bit. But the thing is with like Toys to Life is that you have to build the content into the game beforehand. It's not really like ongoing support after the game is out. So, but I do see what you're saying because from like the consumer side, it's definitely like an ongoing cost. So Yeah, and that's really where I was thinking about it from the consumer side was just having to constantly pay for something else to get in the game. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can buy it. Sure, we'll go with that. And then, like, I just, like, shareware and stuff like that, when growing up, like, I loved shareware games, and this is where a lot, this is how I wanted to get a lot of my games, because I played the demos of them forever, like, those first, like, full content areas that you get, and then every once in a while, I would actually buy the rest of the game, because I liked the initial part so much, and Doom is, in particular, one that I played in Wolfen things like that and those kinds of of business models made me like those games because they were willing to give a sizable chunk of it for free and entice me to actually play the game and doing your software like that giving a free trial or a demo or shareware or anything however you want to call it that's becoming so rare these days that that's a business model that 
I like because I don't want to throw... I've been burned too many times, and I don't want to throw my money at something that is an untested product. So the the service, I guess, in those in my mind is that they're... That the con that the game is out there for you, but they're confident enough in it that you'll pay for it, that they're willing to give it away for free. Yeah, I mean, again, I would say like, is this a demo that they're adding to over time and like changing as things go on? And like, did they launch it after the game, or is it something where like, it's just a sample because the game is already there? I guess it depends on how you look at it. I I see like this is again, you're looking at it from kind of the consumer side of things, which yeah. is totally fine and i'm talking more from like the industry side but i think they're both totally valid and i love and i love the demos like the what was it omega ruby and, and alpha sapphire pokemon games that had a, the special demo that they called it where you got an extra pokemon in the when you purchased the game if you went through and you could repeat different trials during that special demo that had a area you couldn't get to in the game that gave you things in the primary game that i thought that was a really interesting way to to get people to play your play your demo that was completely separate from the primary game cool okay i think that's that's kind of our thoughts like i said we didn't really have a conclusion here it was just an interesting trend and you and i've been talking about it so i thought let's talk about it on air for a little while right um the other thing i did this week was I played Mass Effect. I played Mass Effect Andromeda, and I was going to do some initial impressions, but then I accidentally beat it. So I guess it's kind of a review. I Which I don't... really surprises me that you've beat it already, given how long I expected this game to be and that they've touted it as open world. Me too. Like, I... Okay, just so you understand where I'm coming from with Bioware games. I loved the original Mass Effect series, all of it. And one hasn't aged super well, but I still think two and three are great. And I loved the first Dragon Age. I thought the second one was decent. I did not like Inquisition a whole lot. And like I liked some of the older Bioware games, which again, I don't think they've aged super well, but like Knights of the Old Republic was amazing when it came out. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love that game. Same thing with Jade Empire. So I would say that I'm a fan of Bioware and I wanted to love this game like i went in really really wanting to love it even though you know people were pointing out all the stuff with like facial animations and just kind of like voice acting and stuff and i didn't really i don't know it's it's not that it's not valid but the internet makes some of these things out to be way bigger than they actually are you know i've now i've never seen the internet overreact to anything before what are you talking about yeah exactly so i think there's a lot of just like procedurally generated like lip movement facial animation stuff going on with the voice acting and yeah you know i got over that pretty fast that is not why i didn't love this game it's just kind of a side note for me i i don't know it's not a bad game but it's not great it might be, I don't okay. know, it might be good. I have definite mixed feelings <laughs> about it. And I don't know. Okay. Like, I well, don't want to ask you. A, yeah, oh, ask sorry. me a question. Maybe that's better. Okay, so I have never beaten a Mass Effect game. And you are coming off of this as this being one of your favorite franchises. If I pick this up and this was the first full Mass Effect game that I ever played, would I come off thinking about it kind of like you are with it's not bad but it's not great or would i be like that's eh, a good enough game i like that i don't i didn't feel like i wasted my time who is it made for is it made for people like you or is it made for people like me to come jump into the franchise and then want to go back i don't know if it's made for either like this oh, is wow maybe the way i should put it is i would not recommend this as the first mass effect game for somebody whereas huh. i thought this would be a great jumping on point before i played it right because it's yeah, a new it game it sounds like it would be yeah it's a brand new start a brand new game in this universe in the same setting that i already love and i don't think that this is a good onboarding point i would really recommend go back and play mass effect 2 i think that is hmm. the most solid onboarding point for the whole series and still after beating andromeda i would recommend 2 over it easily no question wow yeah. i started 2 I uh I got most of the way through one and then my Xbox died, but I started to and uh, it's good from what I've played of it. It was something else came up and I think I may have been playing it on Origin. That may have been the problem, <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, it was it was free. I got a free Mass Effect 2 on Origin somehow. And then I was like, Ugh, I think it was it was Origin that came up. I hated it. But yeah, I, I, I've played it. But yeah, I mean, it's amazing to me that Andromeda is not the onboarding point for someone like me at this point 
And maybe I should just, like, I have a whole ton of show notes. Maybe I should just run through a couple of these points so, like, you can see some of the things. Like, I didn't capture everything I have to say about this game, but I also don't want to dwell on negative things. So let me just run through some of this. Like, the combat is solid, but it's not the thing that ever interested me about the series. And they also got rid of the fact that you can run up to something and hit a button to get into cover. Now it's like a soft cover system where if you walk close enough, your guy should hide correctly, but it doesn't always work that way, and it's really frustrating. Mm -hmm. Um, But outside of that little little foible, besides that, the combat is really solid. But again, that's not why I'm in this game. They changed the dialogue tree so it's not the Paragon Renegade thing anymore. And I think I actually like this dialogue system better because it lets you like your response is fairly the same but it kind of lets you pick the emotion of the response instead of being like hyper good or hyper bad okay good you can be like logical or you can be casual about it or you can be like passionate about it or you can you know have empathy like there are different ways to approach it but it's still the same general story and i think i like it better but the thing that it's missing that the other games did really well is having choices in dialogue trees that actually matter i think there were only Uh. two or three choices in the entire game that mattered whereas the original mass effect series it felt like you were always making choices that mattered even if they didn't it felt like it you know what i mean and that that's the important part i mean it's the illusion of control that makes us compelled to go through these games because we're still on rails i mean regardless of any of the dialogue choices that we make we are still playing a predetermined story one way or the other and it's that feeling of control that illusion that we have to have and if you're not feeling it, if you're not feeling consequential when you're playing through a role playing game then it's failing at its most fundamental point yeah and a big okay i should say I thought that I was going to be playing this game for like 40 to 60 hours because it's a big RPG, right? Yeah. And that's probably what I put into every other Mass Effect game out there. So keeping that in mind, I've probably spent 100 to 200 hours with Mass Effect 1 through 3. And I played this game in 12 hours. I I looked at my completion Mm -hmm. time on Andromeda and it was right around the 12 hour, hour mark, just underneath it. And for an open world game, you have beaten in 12 hours. Right. And this is my problem with it, I think, is that I w- stayed on the main storyline and I was waiting for something interesting to happen to like hook me into the open world. And oh, it never did. Never once. There was never anything worth pursuing that actually made me like curious to go out and explore the open world. And, and I think you said it best right there. I think I think that hit it on the head that there was nothing that made you curious that for an open world game that you're the kind of guy who will go explore, oh, who yeah, loves love to see things, who finds these things in these corners. And that was one of your things that you were talking about, Zelda, that you were constantly being rewarded for getting to the top of a mountain and the kind of thing in an open world game that, that that's the kind of thing you need and for it not to make you curious about what's around the next next corner is is just failing at and i haven't even played this but just knowing you it's like why how how do you not hit it for these gamers that you are supposedly targeting as your main demographic yeah and again part of the problem and this ties into the same thing with the world not hooking me the whole premise of this is that it's a group of people from the Milky Way galaxy, a bunch of right. different races and species and whatever, and they've all gone into cryosleep and been sent to the Andromeda galaxy. So you, they completely right. leave their old world behind, their old you know galaxy behind, and it's a fresh start in a, uh, a galaxy that we don't know, and they use a special kind of whatever, you know, tech the tech. There was a telescope, and mm-hmm. they could see things in real time from another galaxy, and they spotted a bunch of worlds that were supposed to be good, and they called them golden worlds, and it was like, okay, okay. here's where we're going to establish our first colonies. So you wake up, and you're part of the initial team that gets woken up, and you have to check out these golden worlds, and it turns out that none of them are actually good. And okay. that's kind of the premise. It's it's a really good premise, honestly. That's fine. Yeah, that'll, yeah. that'll work. That'll do, I, pig. I love the premise. And the thing is, it sets it up to be alien, right? In a really cool sci-fi way. You have a completely new galaxy and you don't have to do anything that you did in the old series because this galaxy can be literally anything you can imagine. And they take that premise and they do the exact same things that happened in the first trilogy. And it's like the same races and the same species we they brought them all with them from the milky way galaxy so there's only yeah. two new races in this entire game 
And that's that weird. feels like a huge oversight. Those two races basically are like there's one that's the bad guys and one that's the good guys. Like it's not. Oh, there's nothing really interesting going on with it. And even their architecture and their ships and like their buildings and their cities, they look like something that could be in the original games. Right. Like, where's the weirdness? Where's the uniqueness? Where's the where's and the I'm, new galaxy? And I'm looking at the notes that you've made and you know you're saying that there is a mysterious disappeared ancient race that it's like this that sounds like a a genre cliche just like bomb that they're just dropping from the atmosphere. It's like, "Hey, we need to make a sci-fi game. Here's all of this stuff." But here's the thing, that mysterious ancient race that disappeared, they already did that in the first Mass Effect trilogy. Exactly. That was the whole thing that that was pushing, that was driving the narrative in Mass Effect 1, at least from what I played in Mass Effect 1. Yeah, so it's it's too it's too much like the original, but at the same time it's also too tropey and too predictable and too cliché just compared against sci-fi in general. When you have yeah. A whole new galaxy that you could do literally anything you want with and that that was just like that is probably the core of why i had trouble getting into the open world so i stuck to the critical path i stuck to the main story and it just didn't grab me because there's a big bad and they end up being bad and you end up working with the good guys to defeat the bad guys and that's kind of it like that's the story i mean that's not really spoilers because you could have guessed that from the trailers and i got to the end of the game and i thought that like I felt like I should have been only about a third of the way through it. I felt like it was the setup before the twist, and then I was really going to see what it was all about. But no, the game just ended. Oh, that's that's terrible. I hate it when books do that to me when I because I read on the Kindle, you know, so you don't actually have the when you don't actually have the the physical copy in your hand to see how far you are along. And I hate it when books do that to me. I think I would be even angrier at a game. Yeah. If it so, just ended like that. I mean, so I don't know if my my general feelings about it are because I loved the first series so much. Um, I really am curious if somebody came to this fresh and had never played a Mass Effect game before, if they would really like it. And, like, the crew options also. I mean, the, the biggest part of the original trilogy for me was getting to know my crew and my teammates and doing all of the, like, character-specific side missions. Yeah, those are cool. And all of the characters in this one felt like characters that I had already known from the first one, so it felt like just a waste of time. Like, I didn't really care about them because it's like, you know, we've kind of done this already, except for one. There's one character from the new species, and that's it. Besides that, it's kind of like, I already basically know you. Do I really need to go through the motions of, like, doing this all again? I, I spent 100 to 200 hours with the first trilogy doing this. Like... I, I basically get it. Like, I know where this story is going to go. Do I even want to pursue it? Which, if you can't hook me on character stories, that's really bad. Because I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of your thing. That if they're going to hook you on anything, it's going to be exploration and character stories. And it's like, hey, we have an exploration-based character game over here. You know, play this void. And you do. And it's like, haha, fooled you. It's not It's not good. Yeah, so. Like, like, like it really is like they pulled the rug out from under you. Kinda. And I don't, like, I needed to get all that off my chest, but at the same time, I don't hate this game. Like, I know there's a ton of internet hatred for it, and I don't feel that. I also don't love this game, but I really, really, really like the premise of it. So, ideally, like, in my ideal world, I want this team to take a second swing at it. I want Mass Effect Andromeda 2, and I want them to just knock it out of the park. Like, that would make me so happy Um, And I think there's possibility for that to happen. Like, I don't want to discount it as however many games it could end up being because the next one still has the possibility to be amazing. I guess my overall feeling for this game, it's not hate, it's not anger, it's not like love. I think it's just disappointment, which is weird. I don't really feel like that after most games that I beat. I was just kind of let down. That's understandable, though, especially given the high hopes that you had because it was part of a franchise that you loved. I mean, imagine if Zelda, if Breath of the Wild had been terrible. Yeah, but I mean, but like you said, um, it's like it's not terrible. It's not horrible. It's just not great. So 
we'll see what ends up happening with it. I, I don't really know. That's kind of, sorry, sorry to leave it on a, eh, I don't know, shrug and then move on. But I guess that's how I mm-hmm. feel. Just kind of disappointment and a little let down. And I guess we'll see what happens. Um, with that, it's probably time for the geeky <laughs> offer of the week. And, you know, that kind of gets me right into what I was going to recommend, talking about genre conventions and, and that kind of thing that you're used to, is I wanted to recommend Dune by Frank Herbert. I wanted to recommend the audiobook specifically of Dune. Have you listened to this? No, I've actually never read Dune. I've seen... Like, I think I saw the TV series from the, I don't know, 90s from or something. From Sci-Fi Network, because yeah. there was the movie in the 80s, and then Sci-Fi did a remake of them, which I enjoy. I, I like them. But the book is so much better. And and it's I'm not saying that as a as a book is better guy. I'm saying that there is a reason that George Lucas based Star Wars on Dune. And it has every cliche of sci-fi, fantasy, kind of sword and fantasy science fiction that you can have because it hits on the desert planet, the chosen one, the guy who gets powers, the nomadic tribe of, of, of desert dwellers who have a prophecy, just all of these kind of of cliches that you get in sci-fi these days. But it's the one that originated them. Like George Lucas wanted to, to write a kind of a Buck Rogers meets Dune with Star Wars. And he didn't have the, the, the writing capability to do that. So what we got with Star Wars and it was fantastic, but Dune is about politics and it's about ecology and economy and that sounds really weird but it is one of the best audiobooks i've ever listened to and when you listen to it and it's got a full cast on this one that you listen to it and you understand oh this is why science fiction is what it is today and you can completely see the influence that it has had on the entire genre so if you have not Red Dune, I high and even if you have, I highly suggest the audiobook of Dune because it is just phenomenally performed. I've listened to it three or four times now. And you can go to audibletrial.com slash geek to geekcast and get it for free and support the podcast and just really, really dig in on what makes science fiction awesome. As opposed to Mass Effect Andromeda, which tries really hard and doesn't, Dune succeeds in every way imaginable. Cool. It's always fun to find books like that that are so like foundational for a genre. So that's sweet. I should actually probably grab yeah. that one. I think I have an Audible credit or two, and I do want to check out Dune. Um, okay. Now, just be, we- be, be aware, though, anybody who listens to it, it is phenomenal. If you move forward with the series, they're good, but not as good. So book two is a bridge to the third book, which is also phenomenal. But you will be let down by the second one, I think, and then brought back up into amazing with the third one. Good to know. Okay, so Weekly Geekery, we share what we've been geeking out about this week, if you don't know that by now. And you beat Zelda, right? I did. I beat Zelda yesterday morning. It was awesome. It took me about two weeks of just exploring, doing my own thing. I didn't get all 120 shrines in it, but I'll go back and do it as I want to. I finished out 81 of them before I before I quit and uh, decided to finally go through and beat it. And I totally understand what you're talking about that final battle just being one of the best ganon fights that yeah, it is really it good. is truly epic i think i waited too long and it wasn't as challenging as i wanted it to be but like it was really good like this may be this is a game of the year contender like this may be like best media of the year contender right now because of just how immersive it was i mean we've talked a lot about zelda but it's worth playing all the way through and going through Hyrule Castle may have been the highlight of the game for me that it was just so much fun just exploring that and not being as afraid of the guardians as I used to be like feeling that power come with you and I just absolutely adored the Hyrule Castle part of this like it's so good like those of you who have not gone to beat it yet when you do you will be highly impressed by the presentation of Hyrule Castle just the music the ambiance everything is so good once you get there yep and, and the I final still, fight is really awesome 
Yeah, and I still think this is going to make a great speedrun game. So I'm excited to watch mm-hmm. those later and then talk to you about them. Um, yeah, because yeah. those are going to be insane. And I've always said speedrunners have way better skills than I'll ever have. And this game will absolutely prove that. Cool. What else you got this week? I started playing Mario Kart 8 with Jennifer. I had a friend who lent me some Wii U games, and Mario Kart 8 was one of them. And it is so much harder than other Mario Kart games. Like, did you have that problem? Because we are severely handicapped at the 150cc right now. We had to move it down to 100 because that felt like the Mario Kart that we were used to playing. Like, it's hard. No. I didn't, but like, I'm good at Mario Kart, so. I thought I was good at Mario Kart, too. It's always one of these, like, oh, yeah, you know, let me let me just show you up on Mario Kart. And I then guess it's I like, should no. say, I did have issues with the 200cc level, but all the way up to 150 was, like, it wasn't too bad. I thought it was really yeah, I figured, fun. I figured the 200, oh, I love the game. I bought the DLC this morning, and I didn't think I was going to, but when I saw there was a Hyrule circuit, and I wanted to ro- just ride carts and bikes through Hyrule, I was like, yeah, I'll give you my money, Nintendo. So I bought those and played through it. Uh, that was my break this morning, was playing uh, Hyrule circuit. It was it was fantastic. I'm really, really enjoying Mario Kart 8, and having something like that that Jennifer and I can do together. See, the DLC just has to be in a format that you like it's all about the presentation i'm telling you it is you give me link and uh and a hyrule castle track and i'm there i'm yours forever we started listening not listening we started watching american crime story the oj simpson uh tv show have you seen it have you watched this kind of thing no i've heard really good things about it i don't know i'm not into that kind of thing i'm not either I'm not either. That's why I wanted to make sure I talked about it on here is because I'm not a true crime person. I am not any I'm not even the American horror story person that it has to be something pretty special to get me to sit and dedicate to a drama these days. American crime story is good. Jennifer told me I got a text message a little while ago and told me because we're recording a little bit earlier than we usually do, you guys. And I got a text message from Jennifer that said, can you podcast any earlier tonight? I want to come home and watch OJ with you. And uh, it was really funny because that was it's so good. It makes us want to spend time together watching it because we're not just watching. We're talking about it and talking about reminiscing about our lives, like remembering all of this stuff and these people and just how how meta it is at some points where the Kardashians are characters in it and the kids are in it because their dad was one of his lawyers, was one of OJ's lawyers, uh, Robert Kardashian. And so you see little Kim, Courtney and uh, Chloe and I guess Rob. And there's a, there's a scene where their dad is just getting on TV. Like he's just done his first like press conference, just, just getting to the point where people will recognize him and they go into a restaurant and he's like, Oh yeah. How, how long, is the weight here and they look at him like oh my god you're you're like you're, you're like richard Carbufidoof. and he's like yeah robert kardashian like you're oh you're the oj guy and they're like you don't have to wait at all and they took him to a table and it was this thing like where the kids were like oh my god this is so awesome this is what happens when you're famous and it was like and that's where everything went downhill in their lives and it was like just very very meta about current pop culture as as it works and it's just it's just awesome like it's very well acted and cuba gooding jr is the weakest point of the show i think playing oj because he doesn't remind me of oj like he's doing a fantastic job i just see him as cuba gooding jr and not oj because that's he's not oj so what i took away from that without having seen the show is your official recommendation is it's so good you'll actually want to spend time with your wife um oh <laughs> is that is, yes. I, th- I feel like you actually said that in there at some point but okay what else did you have this week um the spider-man homecoming trailer 2 came out today and i was just kind of scrolling through facebook when i saw it and it's so good have you watched it yet no but i want to i will check it out ah, right after this i go watch it after this it's really good that if i wasn't already excited for this movie like i am I would be excited for it now. Like, it took the first trailer, made it fantastic, let you see more of what the movie is going to encompass other than just, look, here, Spider-Man and Iron Man. It it shows you kind of what the story is going to go along with and how some of the characters are going to interact. I'm all in. Like, I was all in before and now i'm like all in like gimme 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 spidey like like just cover me in spider-man right now that's gross cut that out (laughs) um but yeah 
It's really good. Like, you need to watch this. I'm not editing that out, but okay. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, um, and then I was listening to 10% Happier. Like, everybody... I say like a lot. Everybody has heard me talk about 10% Happier and how much I love the book, how much I love the app, and I really do love the podcast. And there was an episode that came out a while back with Hannah Hart on it. Uh, do you Do you know who Hannah Hart is? Yeah, I do. She's the oh, drunk kitchen girl. She's the drunk kitchen girl. Yeah, yeah. I, I love this woman. Like, I have watched—people may not know this, but I really like Grace Helbig and Hannah Hart, and I can't remember the other couple of people who do movies with them. I love them, and I love their movies, like Camp Dakota and— Oh, what is it? This is 30, something like that. Thir Dirty 30, maybe, was a movie that came out. There, there are three or four of these movies. And for some reason, I love watching these movies whenever Jennifer's not here. That I found Camp Dakota by accident when I was having a really bad depressive phase. And it was, I remember watching it on a night that I was like ultra mega depressed where I couldn't physically get out of my living room floor. So I grabbed Netflix. I grabbed the controller and I started a movie and it made me feel better. That Camp Dakota made me feel better and helped me get out of that funk so that I could actually live my life. And I know, I know that's weird, but it was just a very good movie and it really did improve my mood. And so I became a huge fan of these people uh, who were in it. And then I saw the uh, YouTube uh, Please Subscribe documentary that Kickstarter, that was on Kickstarter and was on uh, Netflix for a while. It may still be. And I saw what these pe who these people actually were. I was like, oh, that is awesome. And and so there was a Hannah Hart episode of 10% Happier because she has a new audiobook out that I wasn't aware of that I'm so going to get uh, called Buffered. And I am like, she's a meditator and it's fantastic. Just just hearing her story, talk about being an internet content creator, how just she's funny. I don't know. This episode of this show made me have a good weekend. Like, I think think she makes me happy <laughs> that is what i'm saying so those of you get she makes me 10 percent happier void that's so good. those of you who have not listened to 10 percent happier the hannah hart episode is probably the best episode i've listened to so far because it's funny and very easy to get into in terms of meditation and mindfulness they talk about a lot of good stuff and i really 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 liked that episode this week cool you did a bunch this week um yeah i did yeah, I did. I don't know if I did as much. I mean, I wanted to talk about. I mean, most a lot of my week was Mass Effect, honestly. Like, yeah, I mean, that was a huge part of your geekery. I mean, beating the new Mass Effect game. Yeah. So besides that, um, we have a treadmill desk at work, and I finally got around to using it. Like people have been a little bit, but I've still felt like I was settling into my job, so I didn't really do it until this week. But I started getting on the treadmill desk, which is really really nice, and. I don't know if I have anything to say beyond it, that it's cool and I'm glad that we have one and I'm going to try to use it regularly now, now that I'm, I've gotten over the hump of actually just trying it once, you know? Um, How much during the day have you been using it? Because I've heard a lot for people saying that they're not using it more than 30 minutes a day. And I find that really hard to understand because if I had a treadmill desk, I would be using it so much. Well, I don't have a treadmill desk. There is a treadmill desk in the office. So you have to like go over oh, and use it. Okay. Yeah, it's not like everybody has a treadmill desk right by them, you know, that's dedicated to I them. I got you. Yeah, so I've been using it. When I do use it, I try to do like an hour on it, which is about right. Huh. But I mean, you start to get like a little bit sweaty and you're in an office. So it's like, how much do you really want to do that? You know, that's but, true. Yeah, like half an hour to an hour or something like that. But I like it. I liked it a lot. Um, I did the Splatoon 2 test fire event last weekend with my kids, hmm. and I mostly let them play after I got... I got like one round in and then I let them do the rest of it. And Nintendo is so weird with their demos and betas. Like, <laughs> yes, they are. The Splatoon 2 test fire, it was last weekend, but really it was only one hour at a time and they were really weird hours. So weird. There was one in the middle of our afternoon one day that I was able to get to. And then all of the other ones were like in the middle of the night or like at just odd times that I couldn't it's actually odd. get to it. So. Again, it's Nintendo being Nintendo, but I'm excited for Splatoon 2. I mean, it's basically Splatoon 1, but with more loadouts, and now it's portable because it's on the Switch. And it's like, that's, right. all I, that's all I really needed. Have you played Splatoon yet, now that you have a Wii U? Uh, 
that was one of the games that I was lent, so I'm really excited to play it. I haven't put it into play yet, but it's come so highly recommended from pretty much everyone in the world that I can't wait to. Uh, I can't install it right now because I have an 8-gig one, and because I still have to do updates and all of that, but I should get in a flash drive for my Wii U tomorrow. I was able to get a 32-gig flash drive for 10 bucks, so I'm going to install it and play it as soon as I can. Cool, yeah. Splatoon is really good. It's really interesting to see Nintendo's take on a shooter basically i mean that's what it is yeah. at its core but it's once you play it and you hear that description it's like oh yeah that is that is a nintendo shooter that's of course that's what a nintendo shooter feels like and okay it was really good um the one thing that it comes with motion controls like as yeah. the default and i found a way to turn them off but it took a round or two and i was instantly frustrated that first couple rounds i hate motion controls like that in games and it unless it's one-to-one in vr then i'm fine with it anything right, short of, of that i like i just it's so frustrating to try to use motion controls like that so i yeah I, and my kids too like i gave them the controllers and they're like can you turn off this weird thing every time i move the controller this is horrible and Aww, they didn't yeah. even know what they were you know they didn't know what it was they were like something's wrong with this so i don't know who nintendo is trying to like put those motion controls in for i assumed it was kids but my kids without any prompting told me that it was a horrible experience for them so yeah um but splatoon 2 as a game i'm excited for it. and you should play the first one and let us know what you think Oh, I'm sure I'm sure I will within a day or two now. And then I was just looking for more stuff to play on the Switch. So I picked up I Am Setsuna and it's it's okay. I don't know. Yep. I thought it was gonna be more than it is. Um it's kind of generic. It's kind of i mean, it's like a really, really old square RPG, except it was only made like a year ago. Mm-hmm. And And that's what they were going for, to be fair. They were yeah. going for an old school vibe RPG, that kind of thing. And it's almost exactly the Chrono Trigger battle system, but it yes. doesn't have any of like the heart or story of Chrono Trigger, and mm. so it just doesn't quite do it. The other thing is that I live in Minnesota. I get enough snow in my life. I don't want to spend an entire however long that game is trudging through snow. The entire setting is covered in snow. Yeah, and that's actually why I haven't picked it up yet, because snow levels are the ones I tend to hate the most, because I get bored of the setting so easily, and when I heard that they you never left the snow, I was like, oh no, no, I'm not, I'm not diving into snow that hard. I don't like those levels. Yeah, and then I also did Mario Sports Superstars this week. Honestly, like 3DS is on its way out, and I know there right. are games coming out, but it's on its last legs no matter how much nintendo is trying to assure everyone please keep buying our system like i mean if you've played the switch you can see that's the successor to both the wii u and the 3ds give it a year or a year and a half and the 3ds is going to be done basically so i'm still trying to keep in mind the last few games of the 3ds and try them out and so this is one i grabbed it it was fine. It was Mario Sports. It's kind of like a bunch of other Mario games that you've played before, if you've played any of the Mario Sports games. But yeah. five of them have been rolled into one game, which is really cool. So I played it for like one solid night, and I was like, yep, I've kind of played all these games before. That was fun. And then I handed it over to my kids, and they've been playing it, and they love it. So good, That's awesome. good job, Nintendo, I guess. My kids are very happy with it. <laughs> Yeah. Nintendo finally did something good. Nintendo does lots of good things. Oh, I know. But again, it was another one where I was kind of like shrug and kind of like eh, yeah that's what i thought it was that's kind yeah. of my theme this week i didn't realize it until just this minute a lot of <laughs> games that i was hoping like i had high hopes for and then they ended up just being kind of yeah okay whatever mm. um the one that i don't have a fully formed opinion yet but i like it is card thief and this is an ios game it might be android too but i've been playing it on my iphone and i know i've talked about card crawl before yeah. Which is, it's probably my favorite mobile game ever, is Card Crawl. I think I've put more time into it than I put into Hearthstone, which should say something. Wow. Yeah. And this is the next game by that same developer. So I'm I'm hopeful for it, but I've literally only played two nights of it, and I'm not sure yet. I haven't seen all of the depth that it has to offer. Have you seen this game at all? No, I was actually, while you were talking, I was looking it up to see what it looked like. So... You are a thief, and you start out with a certain number of stealth points, and there's a card grid laid out. It's like three by three card grid, and 
you have to navigate your thief through this grid of cards and you have to be stealthy so every like movement you do uses your stealth points so they lay down things like treasure chests and guards and torches and the torches light up all of the adjacent spaces so it becomes a game of like trying to stay in the shadows but then also moving into a torchlight to like extinguish torches whenever you need to and then trying to approach the guards from the side or from behind so you can pickpocket them and the guards actually have like facing directions even though they're cards and the facing direction changes depending on what you're doing in the environment and then oh, wow on top of all of that you get item cards that are kind of like that's the metagame portion you know you earn these like item cards and then you get to take them back into the levels and use them whenever you want and they're kind of like special powers i got you okay it does look really cool like flipping through the photos on ios i obviously haven't watched the video or anything since we're recording but looking at the photos right now it looks like it's worth the two bucks to give a shot yes and like i said card crawl is like my favorite mobile game so i have high hopes for this one because it's it's the same guys and they did a really good job last time i also just realized that two dollars is my limit on eh, i'll try it when something gets to three dollars i'm like oh three dollars that's interesting we both, we've both had epiphanies today during your geekery <laughs> you should get it you should get card thief and tell me what you think about it oh well i'm purchasing it right now do it do it to it okay cool um with that it's probably time to end the show. You can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Actually, before you do that, go make sure you check out the Geek Titude podcast with Joe Hogan. Epic Raise. He's amazing. Geek Titude with a T-I-T and then Ood at the end. You can figure it out. It's really good. Um, okay. You can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at Geek2GeekCast. We also have our longer discussion threads on the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash Geek2GeekCast. And on the subreddit, we are also hoping that we will be able to get some Geek2Tude community in there as well, so that uh, you guys are awesome there for us. Be very welcoming to uh, his existing audience and and to him, to Joe. Um, And, you know, if you want to get any email updates about any of our network's podcasts, this one, the comic box geek Tattooed, video game news now when it exists again and geek fitness health hacks you can go to geek to geekcast.net and tell us which ones you want updates about i blog at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at grn mushroom that's green mushroom without the e's on twitter i'm on twitter as at professor beige that's beige with two e's and i blog and podcast at geekfitness.net We've been Void and Beige with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, friends. Comics. Hey everyone, this is Rob, your friendly neighborhood comic geek. And this is Liam, the lascivious. Liam the lascivious? That's what you're going to go with? (laughs) Well, the the languishing lascivious Liam of Langley. I don't know. Wow, that was extremely illiterate of you. Well, I try. Yeah. We are the hosts of The Comic Box, part of the geek to geek Podcast Network, where you get all your comic book news. We talk comics. We talk comic book TV shows. We talk comic book movies. We talk comic book... I don't know. What else do we talk about? Comic book toys. We talk comic book toys. Comic if book it's video got, games. This is true. Ha- we talk Handkerchiefs com- that are comic books. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> So so slap on your underoos, grab your favorite comic book, and tune into The Comic Box, where we air episodes every week-ish. Yeah, so join us. Bop, bop. Oh, yeah. <laughs>